here this morning to uh, introduce to you uh, Pastor Ray Cragen, and he's going to give the message today. We're going to get some uh, Cajun preaching going on in here <laughs> for all those years you ministered down in Louisiana. You can bring the heat today, okay? Uh, would you please join me up here at the pulpit? I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to spend some time in God's Word this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Ray and the things you've pressed upon his heart to share with us. Lord, I believe that you have a word that you've placed upon him to share, and I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive and respond and to apply these things into our lives, not just listen to the word, but be doers of the word, Lord. Please have this time, guide us and lead us. I pray also, Lord, in the spiritual realm, you just quiet this place to receive fully from you. We thank you for this time, in Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning to you. I want to say, first off, uh, Pastor, thank you so much for the privilege of standing in your place on this Sunday morning. And I realize that as a pastor uh, from the past, um, that can sometimes be a risky thing. Especially somebody that's pastored in Louisiana for 20 years. You don't know if they're bringing their snake handling sermon or what might be happening, you know. So I left that one at home, by the way. But uh, wow, what a privilege to worship the Lord with you this morning and to lift him up and to magnify him uh, and to exalt his name together. Did you know that that's actually what we've been doing here this morning already uh, is the fulfillment of our created purpose. That is actually what we were called to do. That's why we've been created. One of the primary reasons, one of the 66 inspired uh, books of the Bible that we call the Book of Psalms uh, is one of my favorite books and I know that may sound odd for a former pastor to say it's not really super deep, at least on the surface, uh, in theology and that sort of thing. Uh, but out of its 150 chapters, you'll find things about uh, real life and, and uh, the living of real life in the real world and rising up from all of its graphic depictions of a fallen world is one unmistakable reoccurring theme that is given to us. Actually, if you look at Psalms, it starts in chapter 9, and even the very last chapter, 150, uh, and everywhere in between, you'll find that reoccurring theme over and over and over again that we were created to extol and praise the great and good name of our Creator. It so happens that the very first chapter that I ever memorized as a young person was Psalm 100. I did not do it voluntarily, did not do it because I was a bored seven-year-old. Went to a Christmas program one night, or Christmas program practice, I should say, and they were passing out pieces, you know, little things the children would say, and they got to me and they ran out. 
And they all looked at each other almost scared, and one of them had a bright idea. Why don't we have Ray quote a scripture? And at first I was thinking, I was kind of sharp for a seven-year-old. I thought, you know, that sounds good. Jesus wept. I've already got it memorized. <laughs> and somebody was flipping through their Bible, one of the Sunday school teachers, and they said, you know, why don't we, why don't we have him do the hundredth psalm? And I was a little startled, and I said, which verse? Well, th let's just have him do the whole thing. And I panicked. <laughs> but I had a diligent mother, and she helped me back then. It was the King James Version. And uh, 100th Psalm has been a blessing, blessing to me down through the years. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, and come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture, so enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. As you look at verse 1, you'll see that verse 1 opens the door wide. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter your state of wealth or well-being in any way, shape, or form. Everybody, everywhere, as a matter of fact, Psalm 150 and verse 6 says it like this, Let everything that hath breath, everything that breathes, praise the Lord. No one is exempt. It is all-inclusive. And actually, I believe this is the mandate that God originally planned for all of creation. It was that we would exalt and praise him like the angels do in heaven. We would join in. And with one voice, exalt our great God. But there are at least two key factors that I want us to note this morning uh, that I believe are required for this function to actually become a practice. This practice of praising the Lord and exalting the Lord. And verse 2 uh, gets us started because it speaks more directly uh, to the uh, ones most likely to carry out the mandate. Because you don't have to look far around you to realize that not everybody in the world today is exalting the Lord, are they? We wish that they were. That would be awesome, but they're not. We have the skeptics and we have the atheists and we have all kinds of people who actually hate the God of heaven. That does not diminish him. It does not change who he is. But yet, there are many who do not. So verse 2 speaks more specifically to those who are going to carry it out. It says to serve the Lord with gladness. The mandate comes down to rest upon the shoulders who have given their lives to the service of the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Who on earth is going to gladly spend their lives serving another with praise, but the ones 
who realize it is their, not only their privilege, but their duty and their service and even obligation. Psalm chapter 107 tells us who praises the Lord. 107 and verse 2 says the redeemed. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why does it say that? Why does it speak to us about those of us serving the Lord to do it with gladness? I believe it all points back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because really, uh, it's one thing to quote a line, maybe in responsive reading. It's one thing to utter the phrase of a song that might uh, use the words praise the Lord or something similar to that. But it's another thing to give God what he really wants, and that is genuine praise from your innermost being, gladness that flows from your life, even when your life maybe is not flowing like you would like for it to flow. But still yet, there is a gladness, and there is a praise, and there is a worship that is lifted to God, and only those who have been lifted from hopelessness and despair are going to render that kind of service. More specifically, the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why would they say so? Because before the light of the gospel came and dawned upon us, we were in darkness. But the light of the gospel came and illuminated our lives and revealed to us that without Jesus Christ, there was literally no hope for us. We were dead in our sins. We were lost in our sins, helpless to do anything about it. We know the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death and that we cannot lift ourselves out of that pit that all of creation is in without the work of Jesus Christ that he did upon the cross. And so when the light of the gospel shines upon us and we receive the gift of grace through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is only one reasonable response and that is the song of the redeemed is going to be one of gladness and a service of gladness, a service of gratitude and praise. And that's why he says serve him with gladness. Let the redeemed of the Lord let them just say what they feel. Let them say what's down deep inside that was planted there by God himself. Once you've been undeservingly redeemed by the gospel, you realize you can never praise him enough. Amen? Because we know as Psalm 92 verse 4 spells it out, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your Deeds. Then like Paul in Romans 12, 1, we realize gladness is our only reasonable response for what he's done for us. You know, I think one of the saddest things that can happen in the life of a believer is for them to forget or perhaps second-guess the source of their gladness. I thought about that for a while. Can that really happen? Can a believer in Jesus Christ really forget 
the source, or maybe second guess would be the better words, the source of their gladness? And I think the answer to that is yes, and it's, it's a constant battle, as a matter of fact. I believe it's one of the, the primary jobs of Satan himself is to come to us and, and try to, to get us, like he did the children of Israel so many years ago, to worship other things, to praise other things with our lives. And there's probably no better example than the psalmist himself. One day, the man who, whose heart panted after God you remember the story, he was on the rooftop and for a moment he thought that perhaps there could be more gladness found in something that did not belong to him than God himself and God's word itself and God's commands that he knew so very well. You know the story of how he took Bathsheba and, and the awful sin that was committed and without going into that and in all of the detail, we remember that some of the most tragic things transpired after that in David's life, leading me to remember, and I think all of us should remember, that one of the most destructive things that can happen in a believer's life is for us to forget the source of our gladness. It's not in the things of this world. It's not in the, the, the practices of this world. It's not in getting outside the boundaries of God's commands that he has placed upon our life, but it's living and abiding according to his will and doing it with gladness and praise. David eventually came to the Lord with a request after all of the sorrow that was brought upon him and said, O oh Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation because he had lost it. He forgot the source of his gladness. No doubt this is one of the reasons why Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 through verses 21 reminds us saying, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like gold or silver from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 21 so that your faith and hope are in God. Have you been struggling to serve the Lord with gladness? Have there been circumstances in your life that have made it difficult for you to acknowledge him with praise and thanksgiving from your heart? Look at verse 3 of Psalm. I want us to look at that. In conclusion, it says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Really, the sequence of these verses is quite phenomenal. We have the mandate upon the entire world. And then, it speaks more directly to those who are involved in actually serving Jesus and following the Lord. They're the ones that's going to carry this out. And then there's that reminder that don't ever forget or you'll lose your praise that life is not about you. It's not about your happiness. It is not about your ego. It is not about your fulfillment. But Psalm 100 verse 3 says, 
really it's teaching us, reminding us it's all about him. It's all about God. I forget what psalm it is. It may be Psalm 81. Don't hold me to that. But one of the psalms, the psalmist is talking about the wicked all around him. He's talking about how that uh, it just seems like his enemies are all about him and, and life has, has been so difficult for him to live. And he said, my foot would have nearly slipped until I went into the house of the Lord. And I'm reading in between the lines, but I can't help but think that it was there. His perspective changed as he got his eyes upon the one that life really is all about. He got his eyes off of his circumstances and off this little temporal bubble that he is living because that's really all that life is. And it's within the little temporal bubble he remembered, you know, my only worry, my only responsibility down here is just to worship my creator and give him praise. Know you not that he is God. He's the one that made us, not we ourselves. We're his. We're his people, his sheep. He's the creator. We're just the servants of gladness. So the habits and the patterns of our lives are corrected and adjusted when we grasp and accept the fact that our life is not primarily about us, but about him. It's about someone and something much greater, much bigger than us. I'm thankful for the examples that I've had in my life of people who have lived just like that. And I, don't, I can't think of a better example than my grandmother on my mom's side. Her name was Aline Michaels. And my, my grandmother actually got saved following my mother's conversion. And she started going to church with my mom and, and eventually came to know the Lord. But, but her husband, my grandfather, was a, a World War II veteran who came home an alcoholic. She married him when she was 15, lived out on a farm and thought nobody else would ever pass by. And so she jumped at the first opportunity. And, and she married my grandfather and, and by, uh, in, in a lot of respects, probably married into a very miserable life. As I said, he was a drunk. He was an alcoholic. He would go work all week, but he'd come home and he was drunk the entire weekend, every weekend of the year. If they would dare go someplace, and I remember them coming to a Christmas party that the church put together, and, and uh, Grandpa came, and, and he was so drunk he could hardly walk, and we were walking through the cafeteria where the, the dinner was held, and he dumped his tray of food and drink and beverage all over people that weren't even affiliated with the church, and my grandmother was so embarrassed. I remember several occasions like that. I remember her telling the stories about how he would cuss and he would swear and he would threaten and do all of those things. Remember the day my grandmother lost her hearing and she couldn't hear a thing, uh, lost it completely. But one day she told me, she said, Ray, you know, I think it's a blessing from the Lord because she says, now I don't hear all of those things and I just pray for Lauren that someday he'll get saved. I remember my grandmother, she'd go to church with us. We would pick her up on Sunday morning, Sunday, Wednesday. Uh, she would go to church with us every time the church doors were open. Couldn't hear anything. 
but she would go. And I remember watching her as she would sit in her uh, pew and she would look around, especially on Wednesday nights, and she would look for that opportunity when she could stand up. And you'd have to know my grandmother. She was not the kind of person that just loved to be heard or loved to be seen. But yet there was something down deep inside, a heart that had been redeemed. And though she had lost her hearing, she wanted to take her opportunity to stand and give God the praise that she knew he deserved. She'd stand up and give her testimony and thank the Lord for saving her. And she'd sit down on the way home. She'd, she'd ask my mother, she'd say, Marilyn, was I too loud? Did my voice sound funny? But regardless of my mom's honest answer, it never slowed her down, never stopped her a bit. She had neighbors that would ask her, why do you go to church? You can't even hear. And that was back before sign language was, was a popular thing in the place of worship. And she just simply said, because I love the Lord and he's worthy of praise. So I ask you this morning, when the light of your life goes out, what kind of noise will you be remembered by? Psalm says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And you know, I'm confident of this one thing, that one millisecond after we have passed from this temporal life that we call the, into the great forever, and we stand in the presence of God and, and just take in, for the first few seconds, the awesomeness of who he is and what he is. I have a feeling, and I'm not here to browbeat, but I have a feeling that I'm going to be ashamed of the lack of praise and devotion to worship and exaltation to his great name that I gave or failed to give while here on earth. And so I pray this morning for all of us that though now we see through a glass darkly and though we don't understand life's circumstances that sometimes haunt us and trouble us and like Job, we may feel like we're starting to lose everything and everything is about to uh, just drop out. The bottom is about to depart and we're about to fall into the abyss of nothingness, losing all that we have, maybe our health, our finances, I don't know what your struggles are this morning, but may we rise to the occasion that God has left us in, not deserted, but allowed us to be in, and may we rise to give him praise and thanks because that is the mandate and the service he so much deserves. I want Jordan to come back in the group, and I want us to sing a song that reminds us that he is everything. And when we feel like we've lost it all, we still have all the reason we need to give him praise and to give him worship and to give him glory.